This is Nurse User News for the week of June 10th, 2019, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hartman-Baker. Today's guest is Shane Cannon. Shane is a project engineer in the Data and Analytics Services Group and KBase, the DOE Systems Biology Knowledge Base. In elementary school, Shane won a Rubik's Cube contest, solving the Rubik's Cube for a $25 mall gift certificate. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So Shane, today's topic is containers in HPC. So my first question is, what is a container other than something that I put my leftovers in and put it in the fridge? Yeah, so containers are sort of a way to package up everything you need to run an application or something like a web service. And so all the pieces of software you might need to run that, you can put bundle up in a, a, a very clean way. And then also you can, uh, all the things that you might need to set for it, things like environment variables, all of that could be kind of encapsulated and captured into that, that image. And then it can easily be rerun. So you can take that image, pull it down to a system, and then run it and run that application. Okay. Yeah. So why is that helpful or useful? You know, if you've, if you've ever been a new user on HPC system, which hopefully some of the listeners have, and you go to that system and you try to get your application running, and you try to start building it and you find out like, oh, I need this library. And then you go and pull that one down. And then it's like, oh, to build that, I need these other things. And then you slowly have all these things that you have to kind of pull together and get compiled and built. Well, there's one of those cases where the containers can start to help because maybe all those tools and packages already exist in the in a distribution. And if you could just install those and use them, then it'd be a lot cleaner and easier. Um, if you've ever had to go and ask your system administrator, oh, install this tool for me, this is where containers can start to help because you, as a user, developer, the person building that image, you can control all that. And the other thing that's useful about it is uh, once you've built that image, you can go and rerun it later on. And even if the underlying system has changed, that image is still the same. And so that means you can easily kind of reproduce those results from a year ago, you can rerun that same exact image in the same stack and you should get the same results. And then the other thing it can help with is portability. So if, if your team has built an image, you can then take that same one and run it across uh, you know, different systems, assuming they're sort of the same architecture. So if I've built an image and I'm running it on Cori, I could go to uh, you know another x86-based system, pull that image down and, and run it. So that's the other other big win. You also reuse things. So if somebody else has already built an image for that application that you want to run, you may not need to do anything. You may be able to just pull that down and, uh, and start going with it, especially if that's maybe built by the people who developed that application. Uh, then you can really trust that they built it the right way. So it can save a lot of time. Okay, that sounds more helpful than I originally thought. Um, so, you said it, it needs to be a, a system, like if you want to run it on Cori, and then maybe you want to run it on um, another system somewhere else, it would need to be a, like the same x86 sort of thing, like yeah. I couldn't take my image from here and run it on an ARM system, or I couldn't run it on Summit or something like that. Right? That's right, yeah, so it's not a, it's not a magic, uh, magic wand. It's really just encapsulating the software that's been built into a way that makes it easy to kind of move around. 
So it still needs to be architecturally compatible. So you can go between, say, uh, different x86 systems. So that, for people that are running on Cori, and most of us have x86-based laptops, the typical way I build images is I build them on my laptop, and I test them on my laptop. And I can take that same image, push it to a registry, and pull it down on, on Cori and start running it. But I couldn't take that and then run it on Summit because Summit's PowerPC based and right. it also won't make your non-GPU code suddenly GPU enabled. You know, you still have to do that work yourself. But it can help with some of those other pieces. Okay. So the I can take uh, you know even if the other systems running, say the base uh, operating system on it is CentOS at one place and it's SUSE on our Cori system, that doesn't have to be the same. It just needs to be the same architecture. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So do we have a lot of people using containers here at NERSC? Yes. Adoption's been pretty steady and pretty um, pretty rapid. I think there's at least, you know, somewhere above 700 users the last time I checked that had run a shifter image at least, you know, once. And we see it even shows up in our utilization chart. So we've got a, if users, uh, if anybody's ever seen it, we've got a pie chart that sort of shows the breakdown of application sort of as wall time con- consumption at NERSC. And shift, Shifter actually shows up in that pie chart. It's a very small percentage. It's like 3% or 4%, I think, of the CPU time on Cori. But it is, uh, you know, it is a, a noticeable little fraction showing up there now. Wow, yeah. So are there any particular domains or types of users who have really adopted Shifter? There's certainly certain domains that it's been more um, heavily adopted and quicker uptake, but I think we see it across almost all of them now, at least to some level. The most popular ones, I'd say, are um, the HEP uh, community because they have uh, kind of a common OS stack that they like to use, so they've been pretty heavy early adopters of it. The biology community now has started to really pick it up. There are registries out there where people have already built a lot of common, the biology community has a a lot of small tools that they use. uh, So it can be really complicated to deal with all the different things that they want built. And so containers can be really powerful there. Um, But we've seen it in the astrophysics space, you know, it's all domains just about at this point. Okay. So, I mean, is this primarily just for like single node sort of things or can you run across all of Cori or what? Yeah, when we originally developed Shifter, we were really thinking about, we were thinking about this as a productivity tool. So we were thinking about the users that had not been traditionally HPC users and they want to come into the center and what were the barriers that they had. And a lot of times it was just getting their applications built. And a lot of those early users were running sort of single node, you know, small scale stuff. So that was certainly our target when we were first thinking about containers. But what we noticed is um, we did want it to work for scale up applications as well. So you can use containers and MPI applications. Those, those will work. And in fact, they work very well. And so we even have applications that have run all the way up to the full scale of uh, the Cori KNL side. So something like 9,600 nodes or something like that. Uh, so there was a particular application that they uh, wanted to run across all of Cori phase two but it was a Python-based application, and when they tried to run that without a container, 
the Python startup time, which some people may be familiar with, really, it was basically preventing them from getting their, their work done. They would spend the whole time just trying to get their application started. So we suggested, why don't you try putting that in a container and using Shifter to run it? And that was actually key to them being able to successfully run that application. So yeah, we see it at, at all all scales. Wow. And, and you know, this points to, it's, there's, it's not a performance detriment, it usually is a, it can be a performance improvement depending on what the application is doing. Wow, okay. Yeah. So. So Shane, how do you how do you like make a container? So if we talk about using a container on Cori, the the workflow would typically look like I go to a system and I would install Docker on that. So that might be my laptop or my workstation, something like that. Then I use the Docker tools to build that image. And so the way that works is there's typically a recipe called a Docker file that essentially kind of runs through like the steps of like starting from some base image, do these series of steps to add my software, add dependencies, whatever is needed to kind of run that application. Build these steps up. To then build the image, you just say sort of Docker build and that it'll look for that recipe file. It's almost like using make, right? So it'll look for this Docker file and it'll, it'll build the image. So once you've got that image built on your laptop, you can test it locally. You can run that image and run a container with it, see how it works. And once you know things are good, you can push that to a registry, uh, a Docker registry. And that's like, uh, if you've ever used GitHub, it's sort of the similar thing. You're pushing the contents up to this service. And that can be public where everybody could see it, or you can make it private, all right? And then, uh, Wherever you want to use that image, wherever you want to run it, like Cori, you would log into Cori, and for Cori, you would use the shifter tools to pull that image down, and it converts it into a format kind of optimized for the HPC systems, and then you use the shifter tools to run it, right? Okay. Yeah. So now, I've heard you say Docker. I've heard you say shifter. Yeah. And then I've heard of this other one called Singularity. So what are what are these services how does that what's, what's the, the difference, difference between these yeah so docker is is kind of the the standard that's out there for in the container space at this point what made docker interesting was they were the first to develop the container concept had existed before all this it's been around for a long time but they came up with the kind of a tool chain that made it easy to build ship you know push to registries and run these containers so you know, they provided a lot of the missing pieces that and it made containers really usable. But it was, it's really designed around, it had been designed around enterprise kind of web-oriented use cases. So in most cases, the people that were running these, running Docker, they kind of owned the infrastructure they were running on. So these might be, you know, DevOps people that are running it on cloud systems. Shifter was really designed for HPC use cases. So Docker's not really secure for a shared environment like we have here at NERSC. And it wouldn't really work well if you tried to scale up that application. So the startup times we talked about actually would probably be poor with just regular Docker. So we really designed Shifter. We wanted to use all that Docker infrastructure that they had for building and shipping images, but we wanted to just replace the parts that made it kind of not fit for HPC. And Shifter was one of the first, uh, it was the first kind of HPC-oriented container runtime. Later on, uh, Singularity, which was also developed here at, at Berkeley Lab, 
came onto the scene. And the only, you know, one of the key differences I, I would say between the two is um, one is Singularity has kind of their own image format that they're kind of promoting and encourage, whereas we tend to push more of the Docker image format. So there's sort of a philosophical difference there. And then the other is just some details on how the, the two systems are designed and architected. So ours tends to keep things a little more centralized on the HPC system and theirs is a more sort of user, each user has their own kind of image file that they work with. But there's a lot of common aspects to them as well and both can use Docker images so you can use Singularity to run Docker images too. So a lot of sites, um, you know, Singularity is by far more more popular and more broadly available across other centers. Oh, okay. but, but it is possible to take the same image and use them in both runtimes. Okay. All right. So now I'm like super excited about using Shifter on Cori. So mm -hmm. what, what should I do? What are my first steps? Yeah, it just kind of gets back to what it looks like for the user. So, you know, step one would be, um, you know, and hopefully you've got a system that you can install the Docker tools on and get, get those installed and start looking at uh, a couple of examples of how to write a Docker file and package your software up. There's lots of good material out there for how to do that. We've got a number of tutorials we've given at supercomputing and ECP training events that you can find as well to sort of walk you through how to make those, those recipes. Build it, push that image to a, a sign up for a Docker Hub account, which is free, and you can push your image there and then pull it down with Shifter on Cori and start using it. Show for for Cori what that would look like is you do Shifter IMG, pull your image name, wait you know a few minutes for it to pull it all down and package it up the right way, and then you use the Shifter tool to run it, and that's it. Okay, sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah, so I can go from my, you know, from my laptop to running something on Cori, you know, in a couple of minutes if, if it's not too big, you yeah. know, depending on the image. Yeah. Wow. Now, are there some pre-existing images made by other NERSC users that I could potentially use? Yeah, in fact, if you go out on Cori right now and just do Shifter IMG images, and you'll see the list of images that are already pulled down on the system that you could use. So... A lot of things you might find are already there on the system. You don't have to do anything to start using them. So things like some of the deep learning toolkits are already out there, like TensorFlow. Um, a lot of biology packages have already been installed by our JGI users. So you might find a lot of tools are already ready to go. Oh, okay. So now, is there a is there a future for um, containers? Are, are are people thinking about this more? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, activity going on. Uh, so, for example, the Xscale Computing Project has had a working group that's been meeting for the last year and a half, I think, or so, kind of weekly calls, talking just talking about how people are using containers, thinking through best practices, just sharing information, things like that. And then recently, we've started an effort that's a little more formalized. It's a you know a subproject within ACP where we're a group of us are trying to really document those best practices and offer training materials to teach users how to do things correctly, and then coming up with a set of kind of base images and reference images that they could use and other users can use in their applications. So the idea here would be like if you know you need a certain compiler suite and uh, 
libraries, stuff like that, we could have some base images that may already have all those pieces ready for you. And then you can really focus on just adding the last few pieces that are missing and building your application. Um, and then the other thing we want to do is sort of sh demonstrate being able to take some of these images and run them across the different computing systems, certainly within DOE, but maybe even a little more broadly than that. So that's the ECP efforts. Um, there's a workshop that myself and another, uh, Andrew Young from Sandia, are organizing at, at SC next year. That's another uh, opportunity to sort of see what the community is doing. And there's activities going on at ISC as well. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of activity within the container space uh, going on outside. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, shifting gears here. Did you yeah. see what I did there? Yep. I got it. Yep. <laughs> How did you go from Rubik's Cube champion to project engineer in Data Analytics Services Group at NERSC? Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of NERSC staff here, I was one of those people that was, uh, you know, formerly a. a kind of a practicing scientist and kind of found that I liked the computing side of things, uh, found it more interesting, more rewarding, and sort of shifted to that. So my background is actually uh, uh, experimental nuclear physics. So my PhD project was in proton capture on uh, tritium, P, P gamma. But while I was in graduate school at the lab I was at, I was doing a lot of system administration support for the lab. And I found that I really enjoyed that. So as I was getting close to, you know, wrapping up my graduate school career, I started looking at opportunities. And that's what brought me to, uh, to nurse. So it was a natural fit because uh, the first job here I had was running, uh, working on the PDSF cluster, which was supporting high energy and nuclear physics projects. So my background was kind of a nice benefit there since I could sort of understand what they were trying to do. But also give, gave me a chance to try to run larger systems, get familiar with, you know, clusters and then eventually supercomputers. So for a brief while, I also worked at Oak Ridge National Lab uh, in the early days when OLCF was really uh, ramping up and we were starting to try to figure out how to bring in the first petaflop systems. I was uh, one that was designing the file systems for that. And so I was there for two and a half years and then returned here. And then I've, I've done a couple of different roles since I returned. I was a group lead for the file systems group where we were really running the NGF file system. And then more recently, I've really been focusing on uh, data analytics and how to support more unusual users on the, on the systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. All right, so Shane, so finishing up here, three things you want NERSC users to know. All right, so the first would be Containers. So if you haven't given containers a shot, if this uh, all sounds interesting, you know, I hope it'll encourage you to go out there, read our documentation, give it a shot. And if you have questions, let, let us know for sure. The second is um, that, you know, we really, we want to help you get your science done. And so if there are things about the system that are impeding you or things that you want to see improved, we want to hear about it so we can try to find ways to make that better. You know, that's one of the reasons we developed Shifter was because we thought it was too hard for users to get started. And then the last is uh, just, uh, we think your science is cool. That's why we do this. And so, you know, keep up the good work, but know that we really, we really care about what you're trying to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, so those are three great things. So thanks so much for joining me today, Shane. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. <laughs>